What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, hello, and welcome to a, another episode of Musée and Thomas. My name is Chase Thomas, and I'm out there in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I'm a sports writer, not a film critic, not a film director, but this guy <laughs> on the other end down there in my old neighborhood in Atlanta, Stone Mountain, Georgia, Philip Musée. Philip, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, Chase. It's been, it's been a little while. What's, yeah, we what's had to take the a deal? break. We had to. I took a week <laughs> off, and then I had some traveling I had to do. So I did not like it. So here is um, because of um, my insanity, Philip. Um, You're insane. Uh, yes, hundred percent. And I, I hate not working. I love the idea of taking breaks. I love the thought of just being like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit in bed all day, read. Yeah take my mind off work and school and everything. And it's going to be delightful. Like I'm looking at a blue Jay out my window right now. Of course, He's just hanging out. I wish I could just sit there, have some tea, watch this blue Jay, read my books. Yeah. I can't do that. So your life sounds like a wonderland. It it sounds. Well, why why can't you do that? I mean, this is why we were talking before we started recording the the whole therapy thing where, (laughs) I mean, these are questions for a future therapist um, who, just let's say a that's prayer fair. right now, folks, for my future therapist, because the stuff that we have to unpack and get through here, um, it's not great. And I, uh, I just can't, I can't not think about the podcast, think about my writing, think about the website, think about all these different things that I'm working on. I can't stop thinking about school. I can't stop thinking about, uh, what Tennessee's depth chart is going to look like tomorrow. There is so much <laughs> that I can't not think about so there is no rest for me and um it it scares the shit out of me honestly but um yeah i I, i'm not capable so my nerves have been like really fried as of late how are you well who didn't (laughs) (laughs) how are you doing i'm just peachy chase i'm i'm great how do you even respond to that no i I, I, um look man i mean i I think as a as a as fellow writers, right? Um, I I see writing as a form of of therapy. Um, when you're writing about in, yourself, in fact, well, like my newsletter I did yeah. two weeks ago yeah. was probably the most soothing article I've ever written by far. Soothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I I felt less stressed as I was writing through it because I was very I don't know how you are about this, but. Yeah. Writing personal stuff always scared me. Um, yeah. I was like, let's just keep those doors closed. Let's just, let's keep, keep those uh, gators just very much uh, down there in the depths of your stomach. Let's not bring those out. Yeah. And, don't let the uh, wolves out of the pen. Yeah. I, whichever metaphor you prefer. And I, I, I prefer the, just by way of example, if we're going to go there, I, I prefer, uh, don't let the, 
the scary uh, adolescent clown out of the cage in mm. the basement of my mind. Um, I like that it was short, sweet, easy to get through. I think we should terrify that one. Yeah, uh, it's a nightmarish image, mm. and I want that to stick with everyone. No, but I was, I was, I was thinking that this, what you're saying, actually reminds me of, ironically, uh, Bernadette. Mm. <laughs> you know, when yeah. she, when she stopped doing what made her feel like she had passion in life, right? As being an architect, she just became a menace to society. And I, and I don't and want. She didn't even realize she was suicidal. Like that was the thing. It's yeah. like they didn't even, didn't even come to her mind. But the therapist is like the person you're describing mm-hmm. is not happy and very much not happy to the point where she doesn't know what the point of any of this is anymore. And it's I'd that, probably go the same way. Right. But I was, I think it's, it's that point in time where you just gotta, you just gotta go ham on some like cigarettes tracks mm. <laughs> or, or cigarettes. <laughs> I don't know. Um, who knows? Who knows anything really? Um, I've thought about that a lot, actually. I I think I might pick cigarettes back up. (laughs) Well, I've seen you. I've seen you in your Insta stories. Not only smoking cigarettes out of your. uh, Well, I mean, it's it's in the public domain here. So Mm. smoking cigarettes after a a biting Falcon's loss. I'm sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Muse. I I, I apologize. (laughs) I would never encourage Phil to do anything of the sort. No, this is all you. I'm just I'm just relaying your life to the people. And then I also saw. I saw you waste a perfectly good mango white claw. You you, you just you just got it everywhere. Like it just no, I did not. Out. She did because that person in particular bit like half like this crater hole into <laughs> the like in the can where it spilled out. There's no way to chug it in a uh, any efficient manner. Don't you hate when that happens? Yeah, I'm also <laughs> too old for all of that. I realize too. I realized while I was watching it. Yeah, you're definitely too old for that. Okay. But so am I. You don't have to agree with me that. No, but so am I. So like I I was watching it and I thought to myself, even when I did that in college, I was still too old for that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or young for that. Or I don't know. That life passed us by. That life never wanted us. I think I, I think, think it's true because we are on the same wavelength here where we're like we're kind of like the outsider type the we are too old for this since we were like 12 years old where we were always just kind of into the stuff that no one our age was into right yeah I read Camus to make myself feel better yes like I have the stranger that. sitting right behind me <laughs> that's good it's, it's like a yearly a thing, 74 yeah. year old retired Emory professor um when i was a senior in high school and she's still one of my best friends today that's she was awesome. the last person i saw before i left i saw life. that yeah you had uh you like went and had coffee or something right mm-hmm. or yes i did yeah. dr francis grossman she is my favorite human being on this planet shout out yeah i uh, could see you being a really really great english professor i don't know plan. if that's what i you mean want. that is one of yeah, the things i want to do yes yeah no i could i would take your classes that is take part of the reason I want to get my PhD is I want to be an adjunct professor uh, in the English department. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I don't think you take my, I don't think it, I would take your class, but I, I think I would end up resenting you because I don't think <laughs> you'd ever give the grade that, that I felt that I deserved, but it's, it's, I think you might end up resenting your, me on this podcast anyway. 
No, if we spend not on time together, who knows? I think that's how it works with me. Is that why this is you made this the five hour edition? Mm. Is that why we're gonna? So I'm intentionally sabotaging. I could see my that. friends called me Bojack. <laughs> like I have a lot of Bojack Horseman in me, hundred percent. So you're a you're what is he a, like a Hollywood agent or something? No, 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 no. You would love BoJack Horseman. Um, it's one of my favorite shows of all time. Like BoJack is the realest animated show <laughs> ever created. Besides Rick and Morty. Oh, more than Rick and Morty. It's not even close. Interesting. Um, it is basically he was a child prodigy star actor, and that was it. Like he peaked in his younger years, and he's living <laughs> in Hollywood with nothing really going on. It's kind of like Bernadette because we bring everything back around to Bernadette where everything is Bernadette. Everything is Bernadette (laughs) where he just has nothing to do. He just has all this money. He lives the life and he is just depressed as hell and he didn't have a family. He didn't do the stuff that he wanted to do. He already peaked and he knows he peaked and he doesn't really know how to finish out his life and it it doesn't go well. (laughs) You're not going to believe how many seasons are there? I think five, six, five or six. Okay. And is it finished? Like, yes, it, it finished last year. And it, the ending is just as br- like, it's just honest and it's brutal. And there's some really, really biting lines in this. And just forgiveness is a big thing in this, in the series. Um, and why it doesn't always go the way it should. And whether or not you like, you should open old wounds. I mean, there this, you should open old wounds. No, you should not. Oh, should, should not. not. Okay. Okay. Um, and how it affects other people and just he is this tornado of just self-loathing that just destroys everyone around him because he it's like Bernadette where because she doesn't have her thing <laughs> she's terrible for everyone around her and yeah. um, if she's not doing that thing that makes her great then it's just it's not good the, it it raises an interesting question about the role of of film and television mm. um, that I was reading earlier, reading about earlier this week. This idea, especially that because we're all in in isolation, or the majority of the world is 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 in isolation, mm. or you know, quarantining, is is film are film and television designed to be a mechanism of escape where you're able to kind of put down the the rudimentary details of your life and get out into someone else's world or is it meant for us to go into ourselves in a way that we wouldn't otherwise so a film like Bernadette you know it I I've I've personally been thinking about it a lot over the past month because it has I I see myself in many of her character traits um and it's, but it, but at the same time, it's it, it, like I guess overall, it hasn't been the pleasant sort of escapist thing that uh, that that watching a film usually is, right? It's not like a Michael Bay flick where you're just like, oh, let me just watch explosions for two hours. Yeah. Um, this was more like let me search for meaning within myself because I see, because I identify with so many, so many flaws of the main character. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic for sure. So 
interested to hear what your thoughts are on the film this week. We've got to, we've got to, we've got to set this up. We've got to set this up well, because mm. this is a, this is a film that everyone should watch 100%. I highly agree. Um, and I haven't had a conversation for- with this film with any other people. Did you, how did you learn about this movie? How did you come across that this was something that you should see? Yeah, this is, uh, this has been on my list for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, this film won the, the, um, the Grand Prix at, at Cannes, uh, back in 2018. And, um, I believe it played at the New York film. F- I'm pretty sure it played at, at the New York film festival that same year. Um, I had, I had tickets to it. Um, if I, if I'm remembering, if I'm remembering correctly, I had tickets to it, but there were like four or five movies that I just didn't have the time to go see. And I think this is one of them. Um, and my, one of my really great friends who is, uh, who I used to work with, um, raves about this film. Uh, it was one of our top, top three films of, of 2018. And, and we talk about films all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's, I, I'm happy that you had a chance to, to watch it and let's, let's get into it. Okay. So the movie we're doing this week is shoplifters. Um, it's a Japanese movie. Uh, set in 2018. Um, this movie, kind, you know how Bernadette had that, because uh, we have to bring everything back on this podcast. <laughs> the last 40 minutes to an hour is very happy, and they flip things, and you're like, you're moving the uh, the right direction. Uh, that's not what happens in Shoplifters. Uh, the last, the mm. longer this movie goes, the more depressing it gets. And, um, <laughs> There's a lot of twists where I don't know if you were picking up on this where they don't there's there's a lot of innuendos there's a lot of ambiguity as to the nature of the family in this movie and that is the biggest theme is what makes a family there's a conversation at the beach between the grandmother and one of the daughters and what contentment is and picking your family and that it almost would be better for us all to pick our own family and what mm-hmm. you don't really realize at this point is that everyone in this particular impoverished family is is that they all chose each other and we learn a lot more as the film progresses about how they all came in contact with each other and how they all right. have learned to coexist and how they all all the pieces fit it still is just remarkable that this all works and that this all right. functions and this all they all care for each other to this extent and it the movie is called shoplifters but that is a misnomer because the first thing we see is um but yeah so we we just see at the beginning where the father and the son have this morse code type deal going on in shoplifting yeah. in this convenience store yeah. and they're trying to <sighs> make the moral case for why they're doing it in that it's not, no one's bought these items yet. So it's not actually stealing. And there's a lot of ethical questions throughout this movie of, do you take this girl from her family, even though her family is burning her, beating her? Like, do you, what, what gives you ultimately the right to steal this girl from her family, um, to give her a better life in your opinion, but it's still, is that the ethical choice? Is it the ethical choice to go see your uh, ex dead husband's uh, affair uh, 
whatever you want to call this <laughs> with yeah, the, the sun, yeah. and take the money and pretend to care. Yeah. And there's just so many ethical quandaries in this movie, but this is part of the working class experience. This is part of making choices that most people don't have to make. But um, some of this was self-inflicted as we learn later in the movie. But um, I thought it was pretty fascinating that they called this shoplifters because I think you're not going to believe this. There's a lot of, a lot of metaphors in my opinion here. <laughs> well, we got, we got to hear about these, the, the metaphors. Um, I misspoke earlier. Um, the film didn't win the grand prix. It, it won the, it won the top prize at, at Ken, the, the Palme d'Or. Um, but yeah, I think every question that you raise is, is completely relevant. There are so many, there's so many, there's so there's such back and forth that happens just in terms of how the how the film fluctuates between drama and um and comedy in my opinion right like i think i think depending on how you read this 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 very well could be um just like a heartbreaking um kind of chamber drama um that that deals with the question of a family or it could be um this sort of lighthearted uh, take at t- at times, right? It's not lighthearted throughout the whole thing, um, but but a, a lighthearted take on um, what folks need to do to survive as a result of the the inequality that that persists in in many advanced countries. So, um, in a nutshell, the film is is really a, a drama and, and crime story about you know a, a dysfunctional makeshift family that lives in this kind of um, hovel in the middle of a, I would say like a middle-class suburb in, in Tokyo. Um, and they survive by shoplifting. Um, the, 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 the patriarch well, of shoplifting. They're all working. They're right, day laborers right. in different, uh, in one, the, the wife in uh, uh dry is it dry cleaning or just like some sort of yeah she works at like an industrial cleaning plant yeah yeah and then he is some sort of (laughs) construction Construction. yeah yeah but that's all that's all to say that they why you know shoplifting sub i would say say that supplements supplements their income right they're subsidizing Um, their workforce uh, their work time it's their yeah which is which is unfortunate right i think i think there's there's probably some amount of of um of, of tragedy and comedy that that is inherent in, in that idea but Hirokazu Koreda the the director really the, I think this was his 13th um feature he's he's made um documentaries and and um uh fiction films um his his films usually focus on this idea of what it means to be a family right and obviously everyone in this uh, and, and this makeshift family, um, is not necessarily related. Right. And, and when you get into the film, you, you realize that despite the camaraderie that exists on the screen, despite the ginormous acting that these kids are doing and occupying such beautiful takes on the screen by themselves, um, this is, this is a group of effectively people who um have had no have no biological ties to one another but they act as a family 
Um, and so things uh, capitulate in, in, um, in, 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 I wouldn't call it tragedy so much as as an affirmation of what probably would have happened in real life. I think this this film is really true to life. Um, but th- overall, I would say this film to me was was um, a beautiful sort of um, walk through a, a museum. It didn't feel so much like I was wa- like I was watching a movie so much as as watching a bunch of incredibly crafted vignettes. Um, that all came together to tell uh, to tell a story of of, um, of of what it means to exist or or to scratch and scrounge for survival um, in in the modern age. So we can start from um, a lot a lot of places here, but I guess I would just, I'm just kind of curious to to one hear from you what was. And and I think you 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 just watched this, but what stood out to you just in terms of the the craft of this film that that we haven't seen in, and the other films that we've that we've seen thus far. I think it does a very good job of following along, where the camera is the camera work in this movie is extremely strong, where mm-hmm. the one of the biggest themes of this movie I think is just this how limited in space they are they're all crowded in this tiny living community Mm -hmm. with all these different people and that they have to make this tough choice to bring in this little girl she is stuck in a balcony locked out and in a tight space and he's getting in this tight elevator tight car running to work like i think they do a very good job of just exposing how on top of each other everybody is throughout Mm -hmm. the entirety of this movie and just how constricted their lives are both just in their own minds but also in their day-to-day life they're just i think the camera work did a really good job of following along and just letting these actors just be humans and it does a really good job of humanizing like it's amazing how good of a job the two children did in this movie right Right. I, I was stunned were, at how yeah. good they were. Yeah. It wasn't like they were acting at all, no. <laughs> to be honest. And I and I think that's one of the, the amazing things. I just I recently watched um Like Father Like Son. I think that was the, the feature that Corita did right before um this one and, and he works with, with children a lot. And that film had uh two of the main characters were children. And the one thing that I noticed between that film and this one is that that he likes to shoot these really, really long um, exposed takes where he he kind of just lets the actors do their work. Um, there's there there are so many immersive scenes in this in this film, shoplifters, um, that bring us into I would say the 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 hearts of of each of these characters in a way that doesn't feel like there's a screen in in between us. Like I kind of almost felt like I was in that that cramped space, right? I felt like I was in yes. um in so many of those those uh those kind of close quarters, um whether it was, you know, in inside of this kind of sliding wall panel bedroom that that one of the children lives in. Um there was there was such uh an invitation through the craft of of this film. 
um, end to the story that I think for me made it really immersive. And and on top of that, I mean, it's shot in it's shot in 35 millimeter, so it it right away it gives it this immediate kind of classic film look. Um, but th- this film is pretty high up there in terms of the most patient films I've ever seen. And I don't know if you felt that way because um, I. I, I was almost kind of, I had to adjust to the the pacing of this director. I mean, he mm. would, he would have, um, I don't know. One scene in particular that comes to mind is, is there was a high angle shot where, um, uh, Osamu, the, the, the father figure and Shota, the, the son, um, are playing in a park. They're playing tag in a parking lot. Mm. And, the, the the scene is this gorgeous kind of um, uh, deep blue color. It's nighttime. I think this uh, some snow is coming down, and it's just this kind of high angle that that focuses on the activity in that scene for I would say upwards of like it felt like probably two or three minutes. I'm sure it was only maybe like thirty seconds or forty five seconds, but that was that is a decision I think is very characteristic of of the sensibility of, of this director. I mean, he's not in a rush at all to convey his points. Um, th- there are shots that feel kind of like these, these landscape portraits. Um, and, and when you, when you watch this film, <clears throat> one of the most amazing things about it is that there's, there's movement and probably movement of the camera and probably almost every shot, which, which shows how much, artistry and intentionality went into the making of this because there may be a scene where there's no dialogue. There's, um, there may just be a, um, a, a close up on a character, but you can very just sort of imperceptibly feel the camera sliding, right? Sliding either into the shot or into the main character or, or, or off to the side. And, (laughs) <laughs> and having been on on sets and and knowing how how long it takes to set up rails and how long it takes to this this is getting technical so sorry but but how long it takes to um be intentional about moving the camera ever so slightly that takes a, a, a film that you could film or, or sorry a scene that you could shoot um handheld right like if you you just get a, a cinematographer in there and you you the 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 camera person is holding the camera you shoot the scene, you shoot the scene, you get the angles that you want, you shoot your coverage and then you're done. And boom, that's like 10, 10 minutes for uh, uh, let's call it a, a 30 second scene. Whereas with the, <laughs> what they decided to do in many of these shots are to set up the mechanisms to create these artistic um, and, and flowing movements of the camera that add a tremendous amount of time onto each onto each scene. Um, so, hundred percent agree with you that that the camera work uh, was 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 amazing. One hundred percent amazing. Who do you think stood out the most in this movie? Who who are you drawn to the most? I got I got to be honest. I think so. Uh, Osamu, who's who's the father figure played by um, Lily Frankie, who. Um, uh, Karita has worked with in, in the past. Um, 
I wasn't quite sure what to make of him at first. I wasn't quite sure of, of what to make of his character. Um, from the very first scene that you that you mentioned, the the title sequence is essentially Osamu and and Shota, the the little boy, you know, using their system of hand signals to steal from this grocery store, and it feels like this kind of Pink Panther style heist. Mm. Um, let me plug my computer in really quick. Two seconds. It feels like this this Pink Panther style heist, and it's it's um it's cute, right? It's like it's like this. <laughs> you've got you've got this literally this little kid, uh, acting like a like a professional jewel thief, right? Mm. Like he's 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 and 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 you can see Osamu is the one enabling him, right? And so right off the bat, you can tell, okay, well this is kind of a this is this is kind of a, a skeevy guy, like he's. He's essentially taking advantage of this child uh, to 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 steal things from a grocery store, and and there's this one scene later on in the movie, not to jump around, but in in response to you know the what the character of this guy really is, you know when they get caught as they inevitably do, they're you know they're in the police station and um, he's being interrogated and asking, well, why did you use these kids to shoplift? Mm. Um, and he says something along the lines of, well, what else was I going to teach them? And that is the line that I think sums up the ethos of this film um, quite nicely because it's, it is a, a tale of, of the haves and, and the have-nots. Um, and, and you begin over the course of this film to really sympathize with Osamu's character from um, – I, from, from the the very beginning i mean with with obviously that that shoplifting scene to the next sequence where um you know there's they obviously find the the little girl um who's who's hungry and and he offers her uh i think it was a dumpling and they bring her home and he just acts like it's a casual thing like of course we're gonna help this 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 um this little girl and 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 you know it's it's too cold to bring her back that night um it shows the moral dilemma of this guy who just spent the afternoon shoplifting is also extremely concerned about kids and is willing to, even though they, he knows that they're impoverished and they can't really take care of this girl, that like it the, the, the right thing to do because they've seen her out on that balcony before locked out is to bring her in. Like, yeah, it, he, it, it turns out human beings are complicated. Philip. it turns out humans are complicated it's true it's 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 true this is um this is one of those family uh family dramas that um i think is it, it it's it's very realistic right even though the the scenarios is probably the scenario itself of of there being a um uh uh a makeshift family hiding in the middle of, of your neighborhood. Right. Mm. That is, that is cheating and, and, and stealing to, to survive. Um, and we haven't even gotten to the, to the, the biggest plot twist, which is, you know, the fact that, uh, Osamu and, and Nabuyu, um, Nabuyu have, you know, they killed, um, they killed the grandmother's husband uh, to be, because he was, he was just not a good guy. So right. they, they killed him so that 
she could essentially be free of him and she allowed them to live in her house. Right. So right. technically, technically they're murderers. Right? It's not even technically. Like, no, no, no. There's no technically. They're <laughs> actually murderers. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually, they're actually murderers, but they're nice people. You know, like yeah. you watch, you watch how Os- Osamu uh, takes the kids to, to the beach and you watch how endearingly he, he, he tries to take care of, um, take care of 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 them and it's it's very touching it's very heartfelt it's hard to believe that they are capable of that right right because all we see from them is kindness gentleness for the most part mm-hmm. and that scene with um naboyo and um yuri is mm-hmm. where they burn the clothes and yeah they're teaching her this is not what people do if they love you, this is yeah. what people do. Yeah. And like teaching that girl, those things, they also kind of speak to their own issues because I think they talk about Yuri at one point in this movie where they grew up in a similar situation um, with mm-hmm. parents who didn't want them. Right. And uh, they, they won't turn out or she won't turn out like them. And that like was a hint that I don't think we saw coming. Right. Cause they're just saying like, she's not capable of what we were. And they just live with it. It's kind of amazing that they live with it. And then when they're when the grandmother passes, to just bury her under the house so they can keep collecting the money is dark. But right. that moment where I mean, what else do you to, do? I mean, it's, there's nothing else you I guess I mean there are other things you can do, but like you understand the moral quandary that they find themselves in. But just when they um when the father speaks to the son and it's just like, you have to pretend she was never there. She was never here. And that's just a lot of <laughs> emotional strength is required to survive in this household. Right. Emotional fortitude, maybe. Yeah. That's required from a very, a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think the other plot twist is who, uh, the son is and how they came to bring him into the home because there were little things where it, it becomes clear um with a key once that was like out there where you see the picture and you realize who she is and that she's very much not in australia as her parents uh, yeah. as her parents think um that no one in here is related no one in here is um uh one in the same and uh just the fact that they're able to the grandma there's a grandma where he's just like you can call me dad and he's like encouraging him to say dad and he won't do it yeah you don't know that that's going to be a big moment until until the end until the end yeah yeah it's look uh so so those are (laughs) i'm glad we got the sad parts out Mm -hmm. of the way right (laughs) i mean there are there are I don't think that's all the sad vignettes. parts. We're probably no, missing like nineteen other sad parts in this movie. Yeah, we're, we're there are definitely more um, more vignettes in this film that that tug at the heartstrings. Um, <laughs> as long as we're on the topic, one of one of the most memorable scenes to me is uh, was when Aki um, was in the I guess the the pleasure house, and you know she's she's she has to basically like 
put herself out there sexually f- for the pleasure of, of men behind this kind of glass glass pane. And she convinces one of the patrons to um, like pay to have a, a, a short session where, the, where she just kind of talks to him and, and like holds him. And, um, and in that scene, the, the guy, um, I, I, I thought this was, I thought this was really well done because we don't quite know who, who this man is nor what his, what his deal is in terms of the, the, the context of the film. But, um, you know, it turns into this, this amazing display of, of humanity between two people that I think, uh, that, that I think I've seen the most, one of the most amazing that I think I've seen on screen in, in a long time, because, you know, he, he, he clearly has a, a speech impediment and, um, he's struggling to just kind of express himself and, and Aki just kind of holds him there. Right. And there's this, this irony that it was supposed to, what was supposed to be this, um, this kind of sexual experience actually ended up being something that was much more tender and, and human. And we see Aki's, um, whereas, whereas before we had seen Aki's, I guess you could call it promiscuity on display. Um, in this scene, we're, we're shown her extraordinary capacity for just being a human, which I think is lies within all of us. And, And I would even venture to say was the, was the point of this scene, you know, to, to show that everyone is capable of, of caring for, for another person, regardless of what we've done in our, in our past. Um, and I think that's probably one of the, the greatest themes of, of this film overall. Hmm. What do you think is the ultimate theme of this movie? What was the, what was the takeaway we were supposed to have as viewers? I think I think when it comes to family there's this line that you mentioned where they suggest one of the characters suggests that well potentially I think um Nabuyo suggests that uh it would be better if we could choose our own families most of the time that's that's not true if not exclusively all of the time that's that's not true and barring an extenuating circum extenuating circumstance so what we're left with is is this idea of well since we can't choose our families we can nevertheless choose how we how we interact with them and how we show up for them um and i think a scene that's emblematic of of that idea is is at the very end where, you know, Shota, after all of the, the kind of shit hits the fan and, um, Nibuyu takes the blame for, um, the murder and the, the hiding of the body. Um, she takes the blame because, because, uh, Osama has a record and, and she's, she wants to make sure that he doesn't go to jail for the rest of his life. After all that, that is that is kind of the dust is cleared. Shota is put in a in a in a in an orphanage, and one day he takes a, a bus all the way across town to where 
Osamu is living and they spend the whole day together. And this was af- this was right after, uh, or not right after rather, but this was after Osamu um, got caught by the, by the police and found out that um, I think this is, I think by that point he had, he, he knew that, that, that Osamu, that Osamu knew who his real parents were, but nonetheless, he chose to come across town and to spend a day with him. Um, that I think took a lot of courage and took a lot of strength. Right. Um, and of course at the, at the, that situation ends with him getting on a bus and Osamu chasing after the bus, knowing full well that he probably will never, never see him again. That connection where, you know, Shota showed up for this man who treated him like a son, uh, was, was really, really touching. And I think we all have an opportunity to, uh, to be there for those in our family in, in that type of way. Hmm. what do you think what was the what was the biggest kind of thematic theme or thematic element of this movie that 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 you walked away with uncertainty is just a part of life in that we're all doing the best we can and the moral compass stuff sounds great in theory but in practicality life is messy and it's especially messy when you're impoverished and you have to make more difficult decisions. But I also think it's that and also the innate human desire to have a family of your own Mm -hmm. where everyone in here really wants their family and they don't really, they, they're all just kind of been betrayed by their family or not wanted or, their family did not work for them. The family that they grew up with and they all came together because they'd all been hurt or something else, whether it was an affair, whether it was a, um, a just bad relationship at home, abuse, whatever it is, there's still uh, this desire, this thing that you want to belong to something and that uh, they were all better by belonging to each other and they were far worse and they were, they were apart. Mm-hmm. I thought that was important. And it's true. I, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. They were, they were clearly all better when they were together. Now it seems that they're all kind of miserable. I mean, we using right in, in prison. Osamu's alone. Uh, Shota is in an orphanage and Yuri is back in, her abusive parents apartment. Mm. But that was important. They did that because life does not work like that. And it's not a fairy tale and that their life was not sustainable. Like that group, they didn't see it. I don't think at the time they, I really think they believe that this was a sustainable long-term family model. And, uh, it obviously, obviously was not. Is that a, is that an admission of you wanting to prove that the model works? You trying to try this? Uh, no, no, (laughs) I I am not. Um, I don't think I fit that mold where I am. 
I my instinct is to contract, not to expand, um, in this area. <laughs> to to contract, <laughs> you just want to be a, a a fly on the wall 100%. for science. Or yes. you let you want me to do this and report back. Yeah, I think you're a lot more well adjusted than me. Well, I guess that remains to be seen. <laughs> I don't I've know. Been, I just, I, my, my inclination is to pull back with stuff like this. And, uh, I've never been like, you know what I wish I had like seven people in my house at all times. <laughs> I've never had that instinct. <laughs> not even around the holidays. No, well, probably, especially around, around the holidays. The holidays yeah. I get exhausted around multiple people. I think that's why like sober chase around a plethora of human beings is a, a very stressed out chase. Sober chase around people, many people, just not a good combo. No, it's not. I'll keep that in mind. Yes, by not, not uh, ever inviting you to anything. Yes, it. Uh, keep it limited, Philip. Keep it limited. I keep it limited. <laughs> um, it's just yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's social anxiety, but it's more. I. I am just so comfortable alone. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know. I, There's I nothing wrong a, with that at all. It's a bad habit, though. It's a bad... It, it, like, it, it scares me that I'm almost 30 and that, like, my default is still push everyone away for three weeks when I'm feeling nervous or stressed. Mm. Yeah. I... It's, it's, it's one way to be human, you know? I don't think it's a... Uh, I don't think it's anything that uh, I, as your podcast partner, should prescribe anything for. But, but definitely, definitely, maybe talk through it with someone, <laughs> or, or if you're a, a true, a true novelist. I don't know if you if you write fiction, but maybe you could perhaps hash, ha- hash it out with some of your characters that you create. Very, very possible, Philip. Very possible. Um, did you have anything uh, you would like to add before we wrap up here? No. Um, I, I really can't, I don't think my words could do justice to this film. This is, this is, this is a really special film that I think everyone should, should see. Um, if not, because it's, it's very deep, definitely because it's, it's, just genuinely entertaining um, and thought provoking. So check it out when you have a second. It's streaming on Hulu. And it's very good. Yeah, yep. Yes, I'm, it is. I'm glad you made me do this because I don't think I would have, I would have watched this if you did not. Well, on that note, what, what's, what's next? I think it's your turn. It is my turn. It is my turn and i've been going back and forth on what what i want to do here but i think i know what are we doing i think we're going to go something that uh might be more up your alley but something that (laughs) we'll never watch if we don't do it on this podcast (laughs) okay spider-man into the universe (laughs) okay i've seen it i've seen it but we yeah we could do that I have not seen it and it's been yeah. on my list and I, 
I heard great things into the Spider Verse. Yeah, into the Spider Verse, and I've heard yeah. great things about it. And I was like, huh. But I, I've, I've just, I've never gotten to that point where I was like, all right, let, let's, let's do it. So that is something I thought about where I was like, I want to do something light. We've done a lot of heavy stuff lately. Let's do something light. We have, yeah, yeah, we have. Well, you might be, you might be sorely wrong about this lighthearted thing, believe it or not. Well, I'm just kidding. It's, it's a, it's a pretty light movie. That's the nature. I mean, I went back and forth between this and Batman the Killing Joke, but I'd already seen it and I didn't know if you'd seen it yet. Um, that's on. Wait, which Netflix. Batman? Uh, the Killing Joke. It's based on the graphic novel, The Killing Joke. No, I have not seen it's that. It's very good. Um, I mean, we could do that instead if you'd rather do that because you haven't seen it. Either Wait, way, that... it'll be one of us have seen it and one of us have not. What would you uh... rather? No, it's it's your show, man. What do, what do you want to do? It's your choice. Here's what I don't we can know. do. Here's what Is we can it... do. Yeah. We can do them both. Okay, that works. But not this next week. No, no, no. But Double I'm saying feature. we can eventually hit them both. The killing joke. Okay, that works. So what do you want to do this week? Or next week, excuse me. Batman, the thing that you haven't seen? Or do Let's... you do the following week, Spider-Man? Uh, let's do Spider-Man the following week. Okay. So we'll do the killing joke this week. Yes. Let's do some lighthearted Batman and Spider-Man stuff. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't ever think I've heard anyone use the words lighthearted and Batman in the same <laughs> sentence. Well, I've got bad news. Um, Batman the killing joke is not lighthearted. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I also love Batman graphic novels. Like I'm a big graphic novel guy. And uh, I very much enjoy this one. So let's do it. That's what we'll do. All right. Philip Musay. We'll talk to you next week. Follow you on Twitter at Philip Musay. Follow me at Chase double underscore Thomas. Go to chasemuspodcast.com. Watch Philip's videos on Instagram and YouTube. What's your, is your YouTube handle, Philip Musay? Mild. uh, It's it's mildly, it's mildly concerned citizen. Three words. Mildly, mildly concerned. concerned citizen. Okay. Check it out. And that's P H I L I P M U S E Y. That is correct. I should probably clarify on that. Cause yeah, most people will stumble, stumble over that. Um, but a very important note, nonetheless, Philip, you say always a pleasure. Good, sir. We will, uh, talk next week. Thank you, sir. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.